This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Last Thursday, Icelandic discount airline Wow Air abruptly ceased operations and canceled all of its flights. The move caught many travelers off guard, stranding some passengers and forcing them to try and find other carriers to complete their trips. The airline, which had been in service for eight years, had provided very low-cost flights from the U.S. to Europe and back always connecting through Reykjavik. It was charged, or I should say it charged a small initial fare with prices as low as $200 for a transatlantic flight, but it added on other fees for seat location, beverages, luggage, and more. Part of the reason for the shutdown was a failed attempt to receive additional funding to keep the business going. WOW is the latest in a string of discount carriers that have gone out of business, 20 of them in the last year alone. Its demise could have a significant impact on tourism in Iceland, as WOW was responsible for carrying 30% of its tourists last year. So what does this say about the airline business as a whole, especially the smaller carriers? Carrie Tan is an associate professor of economics at Loyola University in Maryland. Also joining us on the phone, Toti Mathiasen, who is an economics professor at the University of Iceland. And also with us is Maur Wolfgang Mixa, an assistant professor of business at Reykjavik University. Carrie, great to have you with us. Toti, Maur, great to have you with us as well. Thanks a lot. Thank you all. Uh, Carrie, I'll start with the overall business perspective of this right now and the numbers of these smaller discount carriers that are shutting their operations in that last year. I mentioned 20 of them. That's a significant number, it would seem. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show, Dan. Yeah, that is definitely a significant number. It's it's interesting to see how uh, business traffic has has kind of changed in these transatlantic routes. So, uh, Toti, what is the impact that is being felt at least early on there in Iceland? Well, it's uh, quite significant. We have been enjoying an economic growth of 3 to 4% uh, or even more uh, year on year for the last uh, five, six years. Uh, but now the prognosis, at least from one of, of, uh, of, of the big banks here, is that we will have a contraction of 1.5%. Uh, uh, and much of, of, of that turnaround is due to the demise of, of our uh, and well, we are just seeing the first effects of this uh, uh, now the last five, six days. Uh, so uh, the knock-on effect on all the firms is just uh, starting to surface. Maur, your thoughts? Uh, pretty similar. The uh, Well, this has kind of been anticipated, though, for quite a while. The markets have been uh, been ex. Uh, since uh, late uh, fall, uh, markets in Iceland have generally been uh, awaiting news if uh, WOW would survive or not. And uh, for example, the Icelandic kroner it has it has uh, depreciated just a tad bit, maybe a percent or two, but it hasn't changed all that lot. All that lot. So uh, pr- pretty much, uh, this has been priced little by little in the market. And um, and uh, and one could say that even though it was a shock for the Icelandic economy, um, well, it's a shock about to happen. Right. Uh, it's um, 
it wasn't a complete surprise for financial markets. Not at not at all. Was there a, was there word of any assistance maybe to come forward, uh, Maher, of uh, with Wow Era and their finances to try and keep them going? What role did the government also play in this as well? Uh, it was, uh, to say the least, uh, very limited. Uh, the government uh, basically took a stance of. Uh, making sure that the economy as a whole would be as little as affected as possible. But um, quite a few people are a bit surprised that the government was not ready to step in um, in a more uh, direct manner than it actually did. Kerry, is there something that maybe we can glean from this and, and all of these airlines closing as just kind of the relationship now between the big carriers and the small carriers, not only here in the United States, but globally? Sure, yeah. So to be sure, this isn't a common event, uh, which is why it's taking the industry by surprise. Um, the idea, you know, right now there's a lot of major carriers that service the transatlantic routes, like you've mentioned. Uh, WOW was kind of a game changer in the sense that they were trying to go more of, of a Spirit Airlines type approach as opposed to a legacy carrier like American or Delta United approach, where they were, as you mentioned, charging really low base fares and then uh, ancillary fees for uh, things like uh, seat assignments and stuff like that. So it's, it's really interesting to see how that type of business strategy uh, wasn't successful in this type of market. So what does this also say, Harry, about, uh, you mentioned Spirit Airlines, about these types of carriers here in the United States and how they run their operations? And Spirit, uh, you know, has it's been in existence for a little while now and, and seems like it's on fairly decent footing at this point. Yeah, I would say that a lot of the, the domestic low-cost carriers are doing very well, headlined by Southwest Airlines, of course. But JetBlue and Spirit, they've also been doing quite well. Uh, my research has shown that when low-cost carriers enter a route, incumbent airlines drastically lower their prices. So I would welcome the presence of low-cost carriers as a way to put downward pressure on prices. But, Toti, it, it, it had to be very hard as WOW was starting to develop itself and try and find a niche in this market is the fact that they weren't doing smaller routes like you may see here in the United States. They were doing cross-transatlantic uh, flights, and that brings in uh, quite a bit of extra cost in terms of fuel, staff. I mean, you were going to have to have every flight, I think, filled up 100% in order to be able to, 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 be, able to be successful at any level. Yeah, you're quite right about that. Uh, really, I, when I look back, I I think I can see kind of three types of business models that WOW was trying to use. They started out as a, a regular low-cost uh, airline uh, serving uh, European routes uh, to and from Iceland. And, and they were quite successful at, at that. Uh, they, they did really start on, on the ruins of, a, of, of an other uh, airline, Iceland Express, that had developed the model a, a bit from 2002. But then when they had some success in, in 2013-14, then they shift their strategy to uh, kind of outsize Iceland Air, which is the big legacy airline in, in Iceland in operation from 1920-something. Uh, 
so, uh, so they start to grow, and the only way to do that is to, to partake in the transatlantic market, which is much harder. Uh, it is uh, like 200 million passengers market or something like that, but very fierce uh, competitions with uh, uh, airlines that know their customers very well and, and can uh, split the market much better. Uh, so, uh, so they kind of, of, of straight off uh, course there, uh, and they even uh, started investing in white, um, uh, uh, in, 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 in bigger jets, uh, uh, white-bodied jets. Uh, uh, so, uh, and, and then started all kinds of things like selling uh, add-ons, uh, more legroom. You paid uh, an extra thousand kroner for that or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, I seem to see uh, that uh, towards the end, for the last six to twelve months, they were just playing, trying to play too big to fail. So they were trying to be too big for the Icelandic uh, state to ignore their demise, right. and they almost uh, got lucky with with that strategy, but. Uh, uh, in the end, the government was not uh, willing to, to put their money on, 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 on that. Mar, could Icelandic Air had a role, you know, step in and, and try and, and provide some sort of assistance? Or, or were they playing this strictly as a business and, and they saw WOW as a competitor and uh, did not want to have them in, in the mix in terms of uh, the tourism uh, element going to Iceland? Oh, most definitely. They, um, what surprised me uh, in the last maybe two, three years was that uh, Iceland there was continuously trying to become more low budget wise instead of just sticking to the strategy being a legacy airline. Right. And uh, when I saw what surprised me probably most when I saw the uh, presentation when uh, Huawei was trying to uh, have uh, bond investors put some money into the airline was the strategy to become more like Iceland here. So they were basically, instead of just staying on their, uh, staying, uh, focusing on their strong points, airlines were trying to imitate each other. Were, were a majority of the people that were flying from the U.S. on, on WOW, from what you know, Maur, uh, were they... Was their final destination going into Reykjavik because Reykjavik, as we mentioned, was a stopover, uh, or were they using Reykjavik as you know a part of the process going to say Paris or or uh, or Munich or some other location uh, in Europe? It was a very it was a very mixed bag. Um, quite a few actually uh, stopped in Iceland uh, for maybe just a few days, and that was because. Um, it, you could basically, I mean, you're on your way, and this is an old story. People were on their way to Europe or vice versa. Why not drop by in Iceland, go to the Blue Lagoon or maybe the Golden Circle and uh, right. stick around for a few days and then continue? So uh, it was definitely a major boost and uh, for the Icelandic economy. And, uh, and the, you know, Airbnb business in Iceland here has is from these short-term stays, maybe three nights. If you go on Airbnb and uh, check out the minimum days, lots of people have it three days, and that's because so many people stick around for those 
a few days, and then they head on to other destinations. But Carrie, as I mentioned at the top, in, in terms of a worst-case scenario, it really played out in the fact that, that you had people that were in the midst of, of – of travel, uh, I've seen some video reports here in the United States of, of people from Iceland who had come to the United States who then became stranded. They had to find other flights, and I'm sure it was probably uh, the, the same in Iceland where you had people from the U.S. that had to reroute themselves as well. That, from a from a business standpoint and from a tourist standpoint, really is a it is not the scenario that you're looking for. I can't imagine a worse nightmare while traveling than to be stranded in a foreign country not knowing how you're going to get home. Fortunately, there were some other airlines that were offering what they call uh, rescue fares. Uh, so United, Aer Lingus, Iceland Air, Norwegian, and Virgin that were uh, – and, and so the, the stranded passengers were fortunately able to, to get home through some of these other airlines. But – it's still at a very high price last yep. minute, um, despite the rescue fare discount. Toti, were there were there similar stories there in Iceland of people that had come from the U.S. and they became stranded temporarily because of this shutdown? There were, uh, especially in the first uh, 24 hours, uh, we, we did get some of those stories on, on, on the local TV. Uh, but uh, my understanding was that... Uh, both Iceland Air and the other carriers did their utmost to to uh, get people to the destinations, and the um, the government was also ready to to lease a, a aircraft. Uh, uh, I, I think uh, I, Iceland US was uh, was a bottleneck, but it did not come to that. So it seems that uh, it was inconvenient. Uh, people had some had to stay. Uh, 24 or 48 hours more than they intended. Right. But uh, my, my feeling is that it was not such a, a, a bad thing. How, how important had that route become, bringing people to from the U.S. to Iceland uh, over the last couple of years, Toti? Uh, well, there are some 2 million uh, passengers that uh, take a stopover in Iceland uh, uh, while there is some uh, 10 million passengers uh, crossing. So, uh, oh. so mo- most of the traffic is just uh, through and through. Uh, but obviously, this is uh, this is a bit uh, a bit important. Uh, the question is uh, willingness to pay for the, of, of those passengers uh, if they were just in there for uh, for a low low cost fare, or if they were coming to spend some money in in, in Iceland. Uh, so obviously we can economize on uh, people coming here, so to speak, uh, right. getting more uh, uh, spendable uh, passengers. Uh, that, that would help the Icelandic economy tremendously. But the, the the tourism side of it for Iceland that is a a very important piece to the overall economy of the of the country. Correct. Yeah, it's correct. Uh, over a course of, of the last uh, eight or ten years, the Icelandic uh, tourist industry has become uh, one of the three big industries, so export industries of Iceland. So, uh, so it is very, very important, uh, in, and also it helped tremendously uh, to correct the economy post. Uh, the bank crisis of, of 2008. Right. 80% of, of, of the financial sector just collapsed. 
create quite a havoc for the Icelandic economy. And the tourism has been quite a, a, a helper in, in turning that around and make Iceland prosperous again. We're joined on the phone by Kerry Tan of Loyola University in Maryland, Toti Mathiasen of the University of Iceland, and Maur Wolfgang Mixa uh, of Reykjavik University. We're talking about the shutdown of Wow Era, the uh, Icelandic air carrier that was known for its low-cost transatlantic flights. Your comments welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866, or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio132 or my Twitter account, which is at Dan. Loney, L-O-N-E-Y-21. So, Kerry, with this airline ceasing operation, uh, how do you or, or is it possible in this day and age with the costs associated and the transatlantic element of this, is it possible to run an airline like this successfully? I think it's very difficult. It might be possible, but very difficult. Uh, I think one, I think WOW might have tried to grow a little bit too fast, too quickly. So if we take a look stateside, Southwest is probably the the biggest low-cost carrier that comes to mind. And Southwest has a fleet of over 750 planes servicing about 100 destinations. Comparing that to WOW's operations, they had about uh, 10 airplanes servicing just under 30 destinations. And so with these, with the small fleet size that WOW Air had, if there were any problems, mechanical issues or otherwise, it was really hard for WOW Air to uh, bring in a new plane to uh, service the, the flight. And so it, they, they might have grown a little too fast for, for, uh, for safety. Ryanair was another uh, low-cost airline uh, out of Ireland. Uh, It is still operating, but what is the status of its flights that it had been running uh, to the United States for a while? Gary? They are are still running, so uh, in Europe at least, uh, uh, they they give you the cheapest flights, but, uh, well, the the crappiest trip, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Gary, go ahead. Uh, I I would echo what uh, Toti said there. Well, I, I, I it does make you wonder is how the industry as a whole, Kerry, kind of you know takes this in, and, and obviously the big carriers have a lot of resources behind them. Uh, they obviously have uh, the the. The, the, the aircraft moving forward, uh, it, it does make you wonder if if this is something that can fi- that can physically work moving forward. Yeah, it will be really interesting. I mean, uh, with Ryanair, they're focused mostly within Europe, and with uh, JetBlue and Southwest, they're focused mostly in the U.S. Now, Southwest and JetBlue will have some international flights, but it's to the Caribbean, and and, and so it's it's still heavily concentrated in the in North America. Right. So to have these transatlantic flights at such low base fares, uh, like you mentioned, you basically have to run the flights completely full to make any sort of profit. And so it, it might not be a, a feasible long-term business plan. Maur, your thoughts? Um, practically, I second what has already been said. It's... Um, um, this uh, and it's been kind of it's been already said in the media here that the uh, these how should I put it adventures of wow going into longer flights were practically 
what, uh, yeah, the, the big nail in the uh, airline's coffin. They, they simply were, they were going into, well, if you look at it from a porter standpoint, they were going on on a bookshelf that they really didn't belong in. So uh, uh, there was no, uh, there was really no room for mistakes. And the only thing was that was really needed was that the uh, gasoline prices would go up. Uh, Wow Air had, uh, it is, um, to to my best knowledge, Wow Air did not uh, hedge themselves against those oil prices. So once the oil prices began going up, they were left vulnerable. And um, so simply that, even though they would have been at full capacity, simply the changing oil prices would have uh, put their business under pressure. What about, uh, Mar, the uh, the costs that obviously this airline had uh, incurred already, the debt that uh, that it was under? What What is going to be the, uh, the path to kind of resolve that moving forward? Well, it's just like any bankrupt company. There's... Uh just uh, there's of course difficulties for uh, some of the uh, airline uh, leases uh, retrieving their airplanes back. They will need to. That has been uh, negotiated on a uh, on a, basically on a uh, each one one and one airplane basis. Um, uh, but then the other, uh, my guess is that the bondholders have practically lost all their money. There's no money left. It's gone. Mm-hmm. Toti, yeah, what? And there, there was an issue upon just this fall, and, and I, I kind of feel a bit sorry for, for those guys that participated, but the, uh, the prospectus that was put on uh, on the roadshow for, for that issue it did not promise uh, anything but high interest rates. Uh, yeah. The prospect for the, for the company itself was uh, obviously wishful thinking of, of, of rapid growth into uh, into the next two or three years. So uh, well, I, I'm, I'm a bit puzzled what the, those that did buy into uh, this bond issue were thinking when they did make that decision. Mar? Well, there were, there were other issues on hand also because these uh, they were changed into the... I do not know the details, but there were some convertibility um, uh, possibilities in those bonds if Huawei would be listed, the bondholders would receive a 20% discount on the IPO price. Right. And, um, and in some cases, the bondholders, they already were in uh, indirect way stakeholders in Huawei. So yeah. uh, one could say probably some of them, in a way, had their backs already at the wall at that point. And, uh, and what may be surprising, my main surprise is that Wout didn't uh, try to uh, try to entice some other investors as equity holders, so right. uh, they could take care of uh, how should I put it? Clean up the uncertainty because obviously, once news began filtering last uh, fall that Wout was having trouble, people began uh, be- people began. Uh, people began uh, hesitating, uh, ordering tickets through WOW, and uh, also uh, also that meant that credit card companies sure. began paying WOW uh, a much lesser percentage up front, meaning that cow, uh, the cash flow problems of WOW, simply because of the uncertainty, they went through the roof, 
And uh, what happened then also was that uh, people began, uh, a lot of talk began in Iceland, how one could ensure oneself against the possibility of, well, you're going bankrupt. And the easiest way to do it was to pay by credit card. You don't provide the service, the credit card company reimburses what you paid. So this is what we were talking earlier about the cost of people buying rescue packages or rescue tickets. But in, you know, at least from a financial standpoint, and in most cases, actually, even the time that was lost, there was not a whole lot to write home about because... Uh, most Icelanders, at least, uh, they bought wow tickets in the last six months using credit cards, and they are being reimbursed that that amount. So the rescue packages that were being sold at a rather similar price. So, uh, so, uh, so basically, uh, in my, from my standpoint, the uh, a major mistake was to not have not uh, take care of this uncertainty, and I believe that a better chance would have been instead of going uh, selling uh, bonds, having these bond issuances, they would simply be in having uh, having a quick uh, uh, some kind of informal closed IPO, one right. could say, well, IPO, just a uh, closed offering of equity stakes. Gentlemen, yeah, I, I will say, okay, say on that uh, because uh, what was the big problem of wow was a lack of equity, yeah. and of course they were small. Gentlemen, so thank you. When thank those you. two things go together, it, it, it does uh, bear well. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your time today, Kerry. I appreciate it, Toti, Mar. Great to have you with us. Thank you all, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. Thanks Thank you. Kerry Tan at uh, Loyola University of Maryland, Toti Mathiasen at the University of Iceland, and Mar uh, Wolfgang Mixa at Reykjavik University. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.